So it is good to be here with you all today, and that was not a given that it was going to work out that way. You see, I have not been feeling well the last few days, and so for that reason, a couple impacts here. I might sound a little funny if you hear me talking and you're like, who is that guy? It's, it's actually me. Um, but, uh, and I might not be quite as friendly as usual, so don't be offended by that. It's probably for your good. But uh, yeah, I haven't been feeling great, but thanks to Mark Johnson, I verified that it was not COVID. So that's the one that makes you a pariah, and I don't have that one. So, uh, so I will try to keep my distance today, but I'm thankful that I'm at least feeling well enough to be here today because this is a very important Sabbath and a very important day uh, for all of us. So let's pray, and we'll talk a little bit about why today is important. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love, for your spirit, for your goodness, for Jesus, and for his sacrifice, Lord, as we today participate in active faith. I pray, Lord, that you will send to us the fullness of the reality as we are able to receive it of what it means to touch Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. So that's what this is. Today is a communion Sabbath, and communion is our opportunity to touch Jesus. Now we have to put that in quotation marks because there actually was was uh, long-standing arguments within the church. I know, right? Shocking. When does that ever happen? But long-standing theological arguments in the church as to exactly what took place in the service that we're about to participate in. And uh, there were those that claimed and still claim to this day that, that in this event, the, the prayer of the priest literally turned bread into the body of Jesus. Uh, an interesting concept, really difficult to support in any kind of realistic way, and really unnecessary at the end of the day, because it really is about faith. And that's an important point that we need to understand as we enter into this service today. You just heard this text, I want to read it to you again from Luke chapter 6. So in this sense, we're continuing on with our slow walk in the book of Luke, because this is in fact the very next passage in the book of Luke. You'll recall the last time we were here, it was about three weeks ago, Jesus called his disciples. He established who they would be. And then the very next verse, verse 17 of Luke chapter 6 says, he went down with them. So Jesus called his disciples up. He chose 12. And then Jesus and the disciples went down. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal regions around Tyre and Sidon. Now again, just to reiterate a point we made before, we sometimes think of the twelve as the disciples. Now it's true, the twelve were among the disciples, but specifically Jesus called them out of the disciples and named them apostles because their task was to witness to the reality of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. So they were a special group that had been there from the beginning, but they were not the fullness of the disciples. And you see that right here. It says a large crowd of his disciples was there. So that's a bigger number. And as you recall, we ended that discussion with 
you are called to be Jesus' disciples. So we're all disciples. It's not just 12 guys a long time ago. It's all of us who believe in Jesus. Now verse 18, who had come to hear him, hear Jesus, and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. And so in that context, I ask you this question. Have you ever wanted to touch Jesus? Ever thought about that? Have you ever wanted to touch Jesus? It is a desire, I think, that comes at some point into the heart of everyone who is a believer to have literally been with Jesus. If I could just actually be with him, then I know I could believe. Then I know. Well, there's an interesting passage for us, and it's found in John chapter 20. If you want to take a second and turn over there in one of the Bibles there in front of you, John chapter 20, beginning in verse 24, says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve. Didymus means the twin, so apparently he had a twin brother. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So this story is taking place after Jesus has been raised from the dead. And he appears to the disciples, but Thomas is not there. Verse 25, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now on the one hand, we might say, okay, Thomas has taken the rational approach. All these people are talking about it, and until I see it with my own eyes, I'm not going to believe. But here's the challenge to it. Is truth determined solely by what your five senses can detect? Or is there truth that is knowable that goes beyond that? That's not an idle question. In fact, it's a core question to the very day in which we live, where we've benefited in so many ways from from looking at the things our hands can touch and our eyes can see and all of those things. However, it has also been revealed in this day that those things alone are not enough to satisfy the need in the hearts of humans. There is a spiritual need that goes beyond what we can necessarily see, hear, taste, touch, smell. But Thomas was trying to draw the line. Verse 26, a week later his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. And then he says this, stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. But then he goes further, because he knew we would exist. And he says these words to us. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. We are among the ones 
who have not literally seen. Now, I don't know, maybe one or two of you have had a literal vision of Jesus. I, I can't rule that out entirely. But as a group, we did not walk the earth with Jesus when he was here. He is here through the Holy Spirit now. So we have not literally seen him and literally touched him, yet we have believed. And Jesus, to affirm our belief, knowing that having some sort of concrete action will help us affirm our faith, has given us something we can do, a simple act where we can touch Jesus. Or maybe better, he can touch us deep inside where we need it most. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 verse 19 says, And Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus gave us symbols that we could take forward by faith to enable us to literally touch him even though he's not here in the same way he was in the days of the disciples. We touch him by faith. And this is what we will do in just a few minutes. We'll have a table set here and we'll have emblems on there and, and, and we'll have bread there and we'll have cups with, with juice in them. The bread will represent the body of Jesus. The cup will re represent the blood of the new covenant. We even have gluten-free representations of the body of Jesus that will be available to enable us to participate in this important experience where we, by faith, receive that which is not Jesus. It's a piece of bread. But by faith, it affirms what we hold deepest in our hearts, that the Lord Jesus died for our sins, rose again, and will come back one day. It's a simple thing, but it's powerful for those whose faith is strong. This is how we can touch Jesus. This is how we can receive healing just as they received healing that day when Jesus was there. Many of them received literal healing of their bodies and, and maybe we could use that today. I know I could. I could use that. And that'd be great. If Jesus wanted to choose to do that today, I'd be okay with that. But it's not the most important thing I need. What I need is deep spiritual healing to a heart 
that without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, without the love of Jesus, runs away like a lost sheep. I need that healing, that proof of the forgiveness that is mine, that reality that the life of Jesus becomes a part of the life of me. So we will do this in a few minutes, and we will give you more instructions at that time. But before we do this, there is another act that happened that night when Jesus met with his disciples in that upper room, and it's found in the book of John, chapter 13, beginning in verse 3. And Jackie talked about this a second ago when she was telling us the story Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. It's an interesting passage because Jesus' action does not seem to align with the preface. The preface is, He had all power and authority, therefore he served. And we need to learn that lesson, don't we? If we're given power and authority, it's so that we might serve. If you skip down to verse 12, it says, When Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. Of course, the answer probably was no, but they all said yes, because... That's what we do, right? We think we know. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now, don't miss the larger point here. This also is a symbolic act. And it is an act that symbolizes that we commit ourselves to serve one another in love. It's not enough to just go in there and splash a little water on somebody's feet and say, check to that box. No, in the same way that what we receive is symbolic of the life of Jesus in us, the act of washing others' feet is a reminder that we are called to service. We are called to serve one another. And Jesus has asked us to do this as a reminder because he has set us the example that we should do as he has done. So so here's where it all comes together. By imitating Jesus' actions and by receiving the emblems representing his body, today we touch Jesus. That's how it works. It's symbolic, it's representative, but it is as powerful as your faith. Now, it's been a little while since we have had any formal tradition about exactly how we're going to do this. And it's the interesting thing about tradition. The reason we establish traditions is so that we have some consistency and some means by which to understand what we're doing. So we have some kind of traditional elements here, but we're kind of piecing the things together because there was... There was the reality of COVID when we didn't even have church at all. And then there was the time after that where it kind of changed and we didn't do anything like foot washing because we were maintaining distance and 
And as far as the actual emblems themselves, they came in self-contained packages and you open them up and the whole thing. So, so we kind of lost our traditions in that process. So, so we are today, in some ways, reestablishing some traditions. So we will see how it goes, and you're welcome to give feedback on how you feel it went today. Because if we do it the same way three times, we'll swear it's righteousness, right? Isn't that how that works? It's kind of how tradition works. So if you want to say anything about it, this better do it now lest you be a heretic when you bring it up later. But anyway, we're going to get this going. And much appreciation today uh, to, uh, to deaconesses and deacons who have stepped up out of the congregation to help make this a reality, and particularly to Debbie Lake, our, our office manager, who this week pretty much had to put this all together herself because I wasn't even back in town until Wednesday, and then I was sick for the last three days. So she's done the hard work in making this all come together. She has washed our feet, if you will, in order to make this experience available to us. So here's what we're going to do. And we're going to have to, we'll have to see how we do in terms of timeliness, because we're going to have to keep moving with this. It's almost 10 o'clock. We have only so long before our next events begin. But here's how we want to do this. We're going to have Diane play a little background music here in the sanctuary. And those of you who are ready to participate in our foot washing service today will make your way through this door down the hall to the, what do we call that room officially? The what room? Community room. There it is. To the community room, out the door, to the left, down to the community room, where we have uh, things set up for you to be able to participate in the foot washing. Now, I'm going to run in there before everybody so that when you get there, I can give you specific instructions on how we do this, not because you've never done it before, but because maybe we haven't done it in a while. So just to help smooth things along, I'll run in there and give you some instruction on how we're going to go about that. And then, so we'll have that in there, and then we'll make our way back into here and when everybody's back into the sanctuary, then we'll set the emblems out. And, uh, and then uh, Pastor Molly will join me up here. And we will read the traditional texts and say the prayers. And then at that point, we'll receive the emblems. I'll give you more instruction on how we're doing that at that point. But that is our plan. That's how we're going to go forward. Remember, this is our opportunity to reach out and touch Jesus. Yeah, it's symbolic. It's figurative. But that doesn't mean it's not real. So if you need healing in your heart today, I can't promise healing in the body today. That could happen. I can't promise it though. But what I can promise is healing in your heart. So if that's something you need and long for today, then I hope you will receive all that this service has to give. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask your spirit now to bless us as we move from passive, passively listening to actively participating. May your name be glorified and may our hearts be touched by the hand of Jesus today. In his name we pray. Amen.